Hello, I'm Dana Brooks of Facing Brooks Law Offices, and you are back for another edition of the Empower Hour brought to you by the Empower Plan. Hey, and welcome to another great episode of the Empower Hour. We are the Empower Plant from Facing Brooks Law Firm here in Tallahassee, Florida. And every week we do this awesome thing where we invite a guest who is an empowered woman from the community to come and share her story and teach us a few things. And we have great conversations and we learn from each other. And today we have Kathy Brooks. Oh, wait, wait, Kathy, I, I, I forgot. I, I promise you, Kathy Brooks. <laughs> Just like Oprah. Just like Oprah. I mean, if you closed your eyes, you'd be like, that's Oprah, right? Right. <laughs> Anyways, so Kathy, you and I go back. It's so great to see you. And thanks for coming on. Um, just for everybody. So Kathy is a huge advocate for breast cancer patients and survivors in our community. And it is wisdom born of pain because Kathy, too, is a breast cancer survivor, much like myself. And that is actually how we got to be friends, correct? Correct. So, um, you know, I, you had your diagnosis before me. I had mine in 2016. And then um, a couple years later, we met uh, Four Cards for a Cure. So we're going to yes. ask you all kinds of questions about your journey and your story. But first, let me introduce uh, the other panel member. This is Denisha Hill. She is a uh, personal, personal assistant to the great Dana Brooks, who is at a conference right now or else she'd be here, and um, an awesome addition to our Empower Hour team as well. I am Betsy Brown. I'm one of the lawyers at uh, Facebook Brooks, and so let's get started, Kathy. So tell us about yourself. Great. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on and um, share my story and then hopefully be able to help uh, women in our community and anywhere um, that they're, you know, watching us live from. Um, and back in 20, uh, 2006, I was pregnant with my third child and I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. I um, was doing a self-breast exam. I was 32 years old, uh, found a lump, but again, I was pregnant, so really didn't think much about it. I thought it was a, 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 a clogged milk duct, and that's really what my OBGYN thought as well. Um, I went through a series of tests um, and a biopsy, and um, a couple of weeks later with the biopsy results, my surgeon called me and said, I cannot even believe I'm delivering this news to you you have breast cancer. And I just remember my legs crippling and sitting down and I just couldn't believe that at 32 years old and 18 weeks pregnant, um, I, was, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, uh, of course, over the next course of the next few weeks to months, uh, my treatment began very rapidly because I was very young um, and my tumor was, it wasn't just a lump, it was a tumor, it was quite large. Um, I immediately uh, went and uh, had a biopsy done at Moffitt Cancer Center um, and uh, had lymph node involvement. We found that, that I had three lymph nodes that were positive for cancer. I had a port put in immediately and within about three or four days, I was starting chemotherapy. I had three rounds of chemotherapy. 
and I actually could feel my tumor growing. Uh, so we decided to move forward and uh, with my intervention and have a mastectomy on the side that was affected with the cancer. So at 32 weeks pregnant and 33 years old, I had a modified radical mastectomy, and that means they took as much tissue and all of my lymph nodes that they could possibly get out. Um, within 10 days, uh, Parker, my, my son, decided that he did not want to be in utero anymore. Um, he was kind of sick of all the chemo, and so he decided that he wanted to join us in the world. Um, and I had a, a C-section 10 days later and then uh, moved rapidly into more chemotherapy um, and radiation and then received Herceptin for a whole year thereafter. Um, so it was quite a journey. I had a four-year-old and a six-year-old at the time. Um, and, you know, I just put one foot in front of the other, and you do it, because what other choice do you have? Right. So that, that first of all, thank you for sharing, because that's an amazing story. Um, and, and I've heard it many times, but I every time I hear it, I still, uh, I hear something new <laughs> that I want <laughs> to ask you about that I didn't know about before. And so when you, when you just told your story again, I heard a couple of things. The first is that you were only 18 weeks pregnant. Right. So that, you know, that's pretty early in a pregnancy. You're, it wasn't like, you know, you could hold out for a few more weeks and have the baby. And um, so that had to be quite the conundrum for not only you and your family, but also your doctors. Like, what do we do with this situation? Right. And so, you know, they obviously don't do clinical trials on pregnant women and chemotherapeutic agents. They can only um, sort of with, with their best guess, you know, safely decide which medications that I should receive. Yeah. So thank goodness they did. Um, but it sounds like this was not a smooth like treatment journey that you had. You had, you had, so you started with chemo before you had the surgery. But the chemo was not reducing the size of your tumor. And you not Correct. only that, but you could feel it. You could feel it getting bigger. Yes. That's an aggressive tumor. It was an aggressive tumor. So that had to be terrifying. Um, so then they moved forward with the surgery. And then you, um, I guess they, they tweaked your medicine. They realized you had a, a heart or you needed Herceptin or mm -hmm. one of those types. I did. Yes, yes, that's what I did. I also did Taxol. I think you received some of the same medications. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So I did um, 16 weeks, four months of Taxol, and I also did um, the Herceptin, and that's an immunotherapy for a whole year. Mm. Wow, S such an amazing story. And so the, the good news, of course, is that towards the end of this time frame, you delivered your baby. And, and he yes. came out and he's wonderful. And um, yes. it, it, and most of us who struggle with this, who have, have this experience, um, we don't know why it happened, right? We don't know why it happened to us. I, you know, we, we hope in, in time we do, but I know that in right. our conversations, you know your why. So tell us yeah. about your journey from breast cancer survivor to doing what you do now, which is different. I mean, you're still a nurse, but you're, you're in a much different capacity in healthcare advocating for women in your situation. So tell us how that happened. 
Sure. So when, when you, every time I hear somebody say, you know, you know, you know why, I, I actually get the chills and I know you're, you're talking about me and there's not many people that go through life and understand how their trials and tribulations really they get that why, and and I'm able I'm able to get that, and so by training I'm a nurse. I went to Florida State University. I got my bachelor's degree in nursing. Uh, worked at the bedside for just a few years in labor and delivery, and then made my way into leadership um, as the nurse manager, and um, worked my way into administration. And so uh, I was working at Tallahassee Memorial in, as the uh, director for surgical services and was given an opportunity to uh, become the administrator for oncology at TMH. And I, in my administrative piece of nursing and leadership, I had really no idea um, how to do the business piece of oncology, but of course I understood what it felt like to be a patient. And so um, the organization offered me the opportunity and um, I took it. I absolutely took it to be able to help patients and to be able to say to patients, I have walked in your shoes. I know how it feels. I actually said to a patient who didn't have breast cancer this week, but a young patient with a with a colon cancer. I know what it feels like. I know that you're lonely. I know you're lonely in your in your head. And when you lay your head down on your pillow at night, you're lonely. Get out of your head. Stop thinking about those things. So, um, just having that that experience as a patient has made me a better nurse. It's made me a better administrator. Um, it's made our team of leadership at the Cancer Center better. Every single thing we do is geared around the patient. There's not a single decision that we make that is not patient-centered. Um, if we have something that doesn't go the way that we wanted it to go from a workflow perspective or a patient experience perspective, we always circle back to what is the best thing for the patient. So. I, I just gave a uh, talk to some of our donors the other day, and I said, um, don't tell Mark O'Brien, but I'd probably do this for free because I just love my job that much. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, what's so cool about um, the money that is raised uh, for, for the TMH Cancer Center is it stays in Tallahassee. You know, we don't all have the option of getting on the road and going to Shans or Moffitt or MD Anderson for every treatment. Okay, we, we need these treatments a lot. We have to have someplace local that we can we can go and, and receive the best care. And so that's why um, events like Card Tricker, which we'll talk about in a second, um, and other fundraising efforts are, um, are so important to the people of Tallahassee. Because if you know a woman, you know a woman who could get breast cancer. And if you love a woman, it could be the woman you love. I mean, it's something that affects all of us. So, um, so anyway, so let's talk about how, you know, you triumph over breast cancer. And then you had a really close group of friends who came together and said, what can we do? What can we do to celebrate? Tell us the story. It's great. Yeah. 
So um, immediately after I, I um, finished most, most of my treatment and my radiation, my, my friends and family came together and said, we want to do something. We want to do something to celebrate this, this journey. And um, I quickly recognized that I was, I was fortunate enough to be able to um, get the best health care that was available at the time. Now, cancer care looked very different, different locally. 16, 16 years ago, ago than now. So 16 years ago, we didn't have a cancer center where you were treated all under one roof where we have infusion and radiation and all of our physicians. It was uh, disconnected all throughout our community. There was radiation in the main hospital. I was treated by a private practice for my chemotherapy. I engaged Moffitt Cancer Center to help um, create my plan of care. Um, so today, we don't have to do that because we have the cancer center. But but 16 years ago, that's what I did. And, and I grew very passionate that no matter what your socioeconomic status is or situation is, you should get the same care that that I got. And so we started the fundraiser and I said, it's really important that all of those funds stay local and go right back to our patients in oncology and in the cancer center. And so that's what we did. And we thought it was just gonna be one year. And you know, the, the Tallahassee Memorial Foundation, they partnered with us, they were amazing. Um, and they were realistic with us. They were like, you look, you know, in your first year of fundraiser like this, this sort of a fundraiser, you're not gonna raise much money, maybe $5,000. And we raised something like $22,000. And so we were like, well, we can't stop here. We have to keep going. And so year after year, we have, picked um, a woman in our community who represents the rest of breast cancer, um, the breast cancer patients, whether they're surviving or we're honoring the memory of somebody. Um, and we highlight her story. And it's usually a story of, you know, beautiful grace and, um, and, you know, lots of perseverance that is coupled with a beautiful soul and attitude. And like, like I said, you know, telling that one person's story really just represents all of all of breast cancer survivors and patients. And so we are leading into what's going to be our 15th event because COVID stopped us for two years, um, but celebrating seven 17 years of this this event and so on October 22nd we're finally going to be able to get back together and um, honor Kimberly Revel um, as she represents breast cancer survivors this year yes she does it's you know and I've heard you say every year you know we hope we don't have an honorary to choose but we always do we have we do tons that we can choose from and so I'm excited for her and I'm excited for this year's big party. So Kathy, like what, what's the record? What, what year, um, what year's you raised the most? What are we up to these days? Oh, I know so... we were slowed down. We were slowed down from the pandemic. We couldn't do it for two years, yeah. but yeah. You know, interestingly enough, I think this year is going to be our best year. People are ready to get back together. They're ready to celebrate. They're ready to have some parties. They're ready to see each other again. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, we're, we're really on track to have this be the best year ever. Um, but, but we have grown every single year, year over year. And so um, 2019 was our, our biggest year that we've had. And in general, we we raise between ninety and ninety and ninety five thousand dollars net for for oncology and for TMA, and those funds 
really come back to our patients. We are able to um, open those funds up to our, our navigators who help patients get transportation to the cancer center, who help patients have lodging. A lot of, you know, it's not just our community we serve, we serve the surrounding communities as, as well. So when you're receiving radiation, you know, you have treatment every single day of the week. You don't just receive one treatment a week. It's every day. So for people that have to drive from Perry or Madison or Mariana, they're driving every day, an hour each way. And um, that's expensive. And so fortunately, through events like Cards for a Cure, we are able to support our patients um, in that sense. We also are able to, we have a wig program. Anybody who loses their hair, if they want a free wig, we give them a wig. Um, we also give patients, uh, they're in their first infusion, a nice warm blanket and uh, to have them wrap themselves in a little love when they come into infusion. So there's a lot of things that we do that are necessary and there's a lot of things that are nice to haves as well um, that funds like this support support those yeah. patients. So, um Let's talk a little bit while I'm ignoring Denisha. Denise, <laughs> I'm sorry. Can, I just get, I'm, passionate, I'm passionate about this topic, um, but I but I want to bring you in. So so, what do you think about Kathy's story? I think it made me get on my behind and do what I needed to do because I had an order in my purse from July that the doctor gave me for a mammogram. And I was like, I'm going to be on this thing with two survivors. Yeah. So I got on the phone because when I got it in July, I had issues with my insurance and I was like, I ain't got time for this. I, I deal with this later and later mm -hmm. is October, but I go October the 19th at one o'clock and I'm going to go get a mammogram done. So I am glad because it made me do what I needed to do. And I would want to know though, it is, what would be the most difficult part of your journey? What would you say would be the most hard part of your journey? Like, what would you tell somebody that was diagnosed with breast cancer, knowing what you know now? Because like Betsy said, when we go through things, you know, we, we kind of find out who we are and what we, you know, you know, that stronger person on the other side. So just knowing what you know now, what would you tell somebody that was diagnosed? And what did you learn about yourself? So the first thing I usually tell people is stay off the internet. Don't go digging around for information. Rely on your physicians to mm -hmm. um, guide your care and your plan of care and, and stay off the internet. That was largely important. Um, right, right, to, point. Yep, yep, to trust the process. Um, stay out of your head. Breast cancer is very survivable. Um, and even if you do have a reoccurrence, we, we are, we are, we have so many therapies and so many lines of treatment. Women are living and men, cause you know, it's not just women that get breast cancer. There are some men that are predisposed. Um, if you have a genetic uh, mutation to, to breast cancer. Um, so there are so many immunotherapies. So I would say stay off the internet, stay out of your head take one day at a time. My medical oncologist uh, told me 
uh, when I was, I, I knew my cancer was really bad. I had a really bad cancer. I could not get fully staged. I couldn't have CT scans or PET scans because I was pregnant. And I had a, I had a bunch of spots in my lungs that they were very concerned was already metastatic disease. And I was begging my medical oncologist to tell me what my statistics were. You know, am, am I, do I have a 99% chance of surviving this? And she looked at me and she said, I'm not telling you anything. You can walk out the door and you can get hit by a car today. You need to live every day as if it's your last day. Don't have any regrets. Just do what you love doing. Be who you want to be and move through your day. And that's it. Mm -hmm. So that's wow. usually what I tell people. I also try to tell people, trust your body. If you're having mm -hmm. signs or symptoms of anything Trust your body. You know your body better than anyone else and be persistent in um, explaining your symptoms and signs. And um, so that's usually what I tell people. Are there, are there signs um, for breast cancer to, to say that, you know, this may be, I know, I know you can find the lumps, but are there any other like symptoms that a woman can have or a man can have? Uh, and, um, yes. So discharge from your nipple. That would be definitely okay. something I would recommend uh, or any pain in your breast as well would be mm -hmm. something that I would recommend uh, you get immediate care for um, and okay. screening. Screening is the most important thing that you can do. Early detection saves lives. Period. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, ma'am. So, <laughs> uh, yes, your ma'am. So, um, <laughs> Kathy, like so much, so much of what you say, I mean, it just kind of hits me right there in the heart because, you know, I just, it takes me back to my own experience. And one thing that, that I've done a lot of since, since I'm six, uh, well, five years cancer-free, I'll, I'll be six years cancer, five and a half, five and a half, let's call it five and a half. Um, one thing that I've done is uh, people who are newly diagnosed, a lot of times their friends and family will come to me and say, Hey, I have this friend. I have this sister or my sister-in-law, my cousin that they just got diagnosed. Would you mind talking to her? And I always say yes. And I gave my number and, you know, call them up. And sometimes we talk for two to three hours and, and even clients yeah. of our firm. And um, it, it's just, I think it's, it's a relief to them to, to talk to somebody who, who has survived it and um, can survive, it, it, it shows them they can too, and, and it's gonna be okay, because it is gonna be okay. Um, yes. the, the thing that, uh, that I love about Cards for a Cure is that it, it's just, it's such a joyous event. You always have like the fun card tables, you've got the band and the dancing. I mean, yes. so I, I was the honoree, in 2018. <laughs> and um, do you remember my parents out there cutting a rug? Like with, you know, yes. they had the best time. My whole yeah. family came over from Pensacola and we just boogied and <clears throat> everybody had a blast. And it's like that every year. So, you know, just because we're raising money for cancer and it's a serious thing. I mean, it's really fun event. And it so is. how can people uh, get a ticket? What's the, yeah. what's address of the website and um let's get that info out because that yep so up. still got plenty of is. tickets 
Yes, we have plenty of tickets and we'll always make space. So um, if you go to www.tmh.org slash cards, uh, you can click on there, buy a ticket, make a donation. Um, I also, you can uh, call me in my office, 850-431-5038. I'm happy to, to help walk anybody through that process as well and um, help them get tickets or tables or sponsorships or whatever. And um, we're happy to also, we have some tickets available for those patients and people who are breast cancer survivors, um, recognizing that not everybody can afford to get to the event, but you're right, Betsy, it's a really fun event and you feel very surrounded by lots of pink love when, when you're there. I will say too, the, the colleagues in the cancer center love going. It's the one event every year that the nurses and the doctors and the therapist and the front office uh, colleagues, everybody loves going. It's a way for them to celebrate with our current patients and past patients. And um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a blast. And you're right. So when the first year I went, I, um, I was real excited to see that, you know, all my, the nurses that I see in scrubs, they're all dolled up and they look great. And yeah. it's like, hey, hey. and, um, you know, hung out with the doctors and everybody. It's just cool to see people in a different environment yeah. like that. Awesome. It is. Okay, Denisha, what other questions do you have for Kathy? Because I, I, I'm about to get started on another subject and I wanted to make sure that we <laughs> hear from our resident Oprah. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I would like to know how can we lower our chances? Are there way are there things that we can do like for our lifestyle change to like lower the risk of getting breast cancer? Great question. Well, great question. Yeah, that's a great question. And and not just breast cancer, but but all cancers, healthy lifestyle, healthy eating, um, exercising, uh, doing those things that um, keep you healthy in general, not only will that lower your risk of cancer, but it also lowers your risk of other uh, medical right. issues, blood pressure and diabetes and all those things. I will say too, um, there are some people that have a predisposition to cancer. So, you know, I have a gene. And I, I know what gene that is. Now I know how to screen myself, not only for breast cancer, but colon cancer, um, melanoma. Those are all the things that are related to the particular gene I have. And my children know how to screen themselves now as well. And so knowledge is power. If you have a family history of any cancers, um, definitely talk to your primary care physicians. Um, see when your screenings should start at Tallahassee Memorial and in our breast clinic. We follow the um, guidelines from for the radiologist and their association, which says you should start your screenings at 40. But that doesn't apply to every woman. If you've got some family history or a genetic predisposition, um, your family practice physician, your primary care physician may decide and recommend for you to start it earlier. Okay. So when it starts at 40, do we get them every year or is it every Annual number of years? Every year. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you, you brought up a couple really important things. One is that some women are predisposed to getting breast cancer, but you can get breast cancer without having any family history whatsoever, because I Absolutely. didn't have any family history whatsoever. And I never thought I was at risk and I was wrong because we're all at risk, whether we have family right. history or, or, or not. And um, so I was not getting, I was 36, I was not getting mammograms. Nobody told me I needed to. 
Um, there was mm-hmm. no reason to think I needed to. And mm-hmm. I think that's where the self-exam come in, right? Like it, it only takes a second. You know, I found my tumor in the shower, you know, mm-hmm. you know, feel, doing, you know, best self-exam and it's, it's awkward and it's not fun and it makes you anxious, but you know, it, it changed my life because my tumor, like yours, Kathy, was very aggressive, which is normal right. for uh, people in their 30s, younger type people to get breast cancer. It's usually uh, more times than not aggressive than mine was. And, you know, it was triple negative and it was stage two. And I need to tell you that thing between the time I got diagnosed and the time I, I had my, um, my surgery, because I had my surgery before the chemo, it had grown. Okay. And it was a matter of weeks. Yeah. And so if I hadn't found it when I did, you know, think these, these things get out of control very quickly and, um, yes. not to scare anybody, but it is just, it, it's so, so important that, that we, if we're not getting mammograms, at least we're doing something to, to, yes. Yeah. So, um, but the other thing that you said that, that made me think was, um, you've mentioned the breast center. Okay. And, and this is why this ties into what I just said. We now have, and we didn't six years ago, but we now have a, um, a centralized location where right. women can go and get all of their diagnostics and things done in, in the same location. And they don't have to wait weeks in between. Okay. So the weeks in between that you're waiting and your tumor's growing and you're, you're dying of anxiety on the inside, that, that, that has been eliminated for these women that are able to get it done within a short condensed time frame. So, right. and, and that's something that we, that, that the money that we raised has made possible. So Kathy, tell us more about that. Sure. So we, uh, we call it the Sharon Ewing Walker breast program and the breast clinic is a part of that program. So not only do we have um, mammography um, equipment so that we can do mammograms, but we also have a breast clinic. And this is a clinic that's a multidisciplinary clinic, which means there are multiple disciplines of physicians and staff members um, who come together once a week on Wednesday afternoons to see breast cancer patients and and come up with a plan of care for them. And it's a one-stop shop. You come to the cancer center and you see a surgeon, you meet your breast navigator, you see a surgeon, then you also see anybody else who will be part of your plan of care. So if you need a medical oncologist, you'll see a medical oncologist that day. Um, If you need a radiation oncologist, you'll see a radiation oncologist that day. Um, So the patients come in at noon, you'll meet with the general surgeon, then the team gets together and does what we call a tumor conference. And during the tumor conference, we have radiologist, pathologist, um, medical oncologist, general surgeons, uh, radiation oncologist, we have all of, did I already say pathology, all the disciplines come together and they review all of your, your pathology, your images, um, and they discuss what they feel like is the best plan of care for you, given all that information. Then your general surgeon comes back in and says, look, this is going to be your plan of care. You're going to meet your team today and you're going to go upstairs and you're going to meet uh, one of the physicians upstairs or in med- medical oncology or come down to radiation and meet your radiation oncologist. And we have found not only has that significantly improved the timeliness of care, right? So Betsy, you mentioned 
what would normally take six to eight weeks to see all these disciplines you see in one afternoon. Um, and you also have the expertise of the radiology, the radiologist and the pathologist at the table helping create a plan of care. There's no telephone calls back and forth to, to coordinate the care. It's all done in one afternoon. Um, and it's overwhelming for the patient. I will say you're like, you know, drinking by the fire hose, meeting all your physicians. But that was one thing that was really stressful to me. I just wanted to know what my plan was and what my plan, my plan took several weeks to facilitate these women here in one afternoon. And I also just wanted to meet the physicians who were going to treat me. Um, and that took several weeks and we can facilitate that in one afternoon at the cancer center. So women leave feeling very relieved with a lot of information, um, but they, they leave feeling very relieved that they have a plan and that they have met those physicians who are going to be part of that plan. Well, not just relieved, but empowered, right? Yes. Because once yeah. you have a plan, you feel like you have a little bit of control back in a situation where you have zero control. And that, that's where I think you being in the position that you're in, having been a, been a survivor and been a patient, like you were able to recognize this, this is what we need. And uh, those weeks, it, it was, you know, you meet with one doctor and then a week and a half later, you get in with the other doctor and then a week later you meet with the plastic surgeon. And then, right. you know, it, it, it was, it was very, um, an extended period of time. And during that period of time, you're just rudderless. Like what, what's going to happen next? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing and I don't know who to ask type thing. And so I'm so like, I just am so excited that we have that here now, because when I talk to women, what I used to tell them is here's how, here's how it went for me, you know, and then give, try to give them some guidance that way. But now they don't even really need that because they can go to the breast center and, and have it all there in one place. And yes, I do understand yes. it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming anyway. Um, right. But at least this way, uh, you get you get on a path to survivorship quicker. And that's important up here. Very true. Yeah. Okay. So, Denisha, any questions about that um, process? Because that was a lot of information about it is a lot. Cancer. Uh, but you know, I want yeah. people to hear it and I want people to understand it yeah. because um, it's a big thing that people don't have to uh, mm-hmm. seek treatment elsewhere. Um, right. We have this breast center. We, we, you know, we have the money that we put into it. Like a, a lot of investment has been made into making this a place where you can recover at home. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and I'm not sure people know that. I was um, asked on the treatment side, what do you, um, what would you recommend? Like for someone who would say that maybe they don't want to do the chemo route, you know, would, would you recommend that? Or is there a case that where, okay, maybe chemo is not necessary? Yeah. So certainly there are situations where patients don't have to have chemotherapy. Um, and uh, not every breast cancer patient, just because you're diagnosed with breast cancer, it doesn't always need you mean you need chemotherapy. Um, And that is part of 
what they do when they create a plan of care. It depends on how big your cancer is and what type of cancer it is because there are different types of breast cancer. Um, it depends on how aggressive it is. And there are lots of tests that they can, they can, lots of pathology tests that they can run to tell us all that information now. And so that's part of what the physicians get together to review. Um, and so I would say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just because you've been given a diagnosis of breast cancer doesn't always mean that you're going to have chemotherapy and lose your hair. So mm -hmm. there, there are certainly situations that you don't even need chemotherapy. And there are certain okay. situations where you do. And my advice would be, if you've been advised to, to take chemotherapy, you should take it. It's, um, it's not, I didn't find it as awful as people as, as we think it is, you know, it sounds scary in your head. And we have, we have visions of people being very, very sick and throwing up and being super tired. And, you know, it's, I'm not going to paint a beautiful picture. It's a tough process, but we have a lot of great medications that relieve all of those symptoms. And so yeah. if your recommendation is to have the chemotherapy, that's what you should do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, I've nobody heard, has to um, do anything, but um, right, right. for me, I wanted, I wanted to survive. I had, like yeah. you, Kathy, I had two four-year-olds and a six-year-old, and I wanted, I was so single-minded about being there for them. I didn't care what I had to do. Either. And so, um, but I think that, that you make a good point is we don't want women to be terrified if they think they found a lump or something right. and like go crawl under a rock because I can't right. deal with it because many times 80% of the time it may it, it may be nothing I mean I don't know if that's not an actual statistic but many times it's nothing <laughs> and you just want that you know get the test done you want that yeah. that feeling of relief okay mm -hmm. so that's the first thing uh the next thing is to your point Kathy it could be um like we we had aggressive tumors but they're not all aggressive and some of them right. are very receptive to um conservative treatment. And there's a right. lot more of those even now than there were six years ago that you know, are very effective. And the doctors that we have at TMH, I mean, I went to Dr. Russell, she's the smartest person I've ever met. Like she, she knows, she reads all the stuff, anything you read about on the internet, you ask her about, and she's like, oh yes, I'm familiar with that study. And she'll you know, go through all, all of it with yes. you. And so, um, you know, these are people who know what the latest things are and, and who they're for. And so there's many, many, many more options for women now right. than there were even five, six years ago. And that wasn't right. true for a lot of years. For a lot of years, we were stuck with chemo and not much else. But um, since Herceptin, uh, in, there's another one, that's changed a lot. So, so it has. Your, if you suspect you may have a tumor or something, you want to get it checked out, don't be scared. Just go do it. Go do it. And then right. one step at a time, deal with it. Right. The other thing I would, I would mention um, about Tallahassee Memorial and, and Dr. Russell is uh, we have clinical trials. Um, and so what, what you, you could, you could be, um, you could qualify for a clinical trial here at TMH and we have several breast trials that are active right now. So you may not have to leave Tallahassee to, to get a trial like that as well. That's so awesome. So awesome, Kathy, everything you guys are doing. Um, 
Unless you had another question, Denise, I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah mom, okay, yeah, my mom is texting me. My mom's texting <laughs> me because my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. And she told me to ask about the oral treatment that they gave her. She was diagnosed at the age of 89 and she refused to take mm -hmm. the chemo. And she says because of her, she refused the chemo because of her age and fertility. So she sure. says, um, Dumb, ask you did the oral treatment. She did the oral treatment and now she's cancer free now for three years. So um I guess she wants to know about the oral treatment and what's that about. I can't give you any specifics on that. I'm not a physician, but I do know that there are some um there are definite guidelines out there depending on age um mm -hmm. of at diagnosis and so your mother probably just qualified in one of those areas and um and there are options when it comes to that. So um, mm -hmm. I, I, I've, that's definitely something that I've heard our physicians um, discuss. But again, I don't, I'm not a doctor. So um, I can't oh, tell don't you. Don't worry, Kathy, we don't give any advice on this show. No legal advice, <laughs> no medical no, advice. Right? It, Thank you. you. Know, Thank we're you. just having a general discussion. And if you have questions, you know, go talk to somebody about your situation. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, but it is good to know that for for situations like Denise's grandmother, that there, you know, yeah. there are there are medications available Other that were treatment. appropriate mm -hmm. for her particular type of cancer. And right. one thing mm -hmm. that Dr. Russell told me is it should be called breast cancers, not breast cancer, because there are so many different kinds, and mm -hmm. your treatment is so dependent on the type you've got. And some of us are lucky enough to have one tumor with all different kinds of cancer in it. So, wow. you know, it's- <laughs> Lucky it's dog. Just, right, yeah. <laughs> so that's, you know, it's just so hard to, to know, which is why we have to go in and get checked out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so um, Kathy, let me ask you this, because I've read some stuff about this, and I'm not sure how true it is. Are more younger women getting breast cancer than in the past? I, I am not sure what those statistics are. I think it feels that way. And sometimes I can't figure out if it feels that way because we do what we do, Betsy. Like I work in it all the time and you and I are very active and involved in the community. And also we're connected to a lot of young women with breast cancer because we were when we were diagnosed, we were young women. Um, it feels that way in some weeks in our breast clinic, we have like, you know, five people under the age of 40 and we're like, oh, I mean, how does that happen? You know? Um, mm -hmm. So I, I can't, I, it feels that way, but I don't know what the actual statistics are. And I would say that if that is the case, it's because of the awareness, right? So here in the month of October, we're doing a lot of awareness. People are doing their, their self breast exams. They're looking into their family history. They're getting a screening mammogram. And I, I do think that because of all the awareness and all the community events that we have, that if people think of it and they then act on it. And so, mm -hmm. Maybe that's why it feels like we're diagnosing women at a younger age. Out. Well, the awareness, I mean, we, I, I will say in, in Tallahassee, we do a great job of, uh, of getting the word out during October. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's my favorite month of the year because, you know, I look around and it just feels like, you know, it, it brings you back to a time in your life, but at the same time, you feel like you're being seen and not just you, but all the, the women like you and the women who are going to be like you. 
you know, and it, it, it just warms my heart the yeah. way the community comes together for that. And Hearts for a Cure, when it, what day is it? October 22nd? October 22nd. And why is that? Yes. Why is October the um, breast cancer month? What's the significance behind question. October? I don't know the answer to that. I just think that it's the month that the American Cancer Society may be picked that just, you know, okay. everybody comes together and raises awareness. There are other months for mm -hmm. cancers as well. September is Women's um, Gynecological Cancer Month. March is colon okay. cancer. November is lung. So I think they try okay. to just raise awareness for those cancers throughout the throughout those months. Breast cancer mm -hmm. is it's, it's our number one diagnosed and treated cancer. So I, I think that it's just a lot of women. Um, it's gotten a lot of focus over the years. There's, um, it's, it's very survivable, very curable. Um, and I think just over the years, it's grown. I think that more, the more women that get diagnosed, the more we become active in it and we speak out. And then there are celebrities, you know, who do things as well. There's Angelina Jolie who had bilateral mastectomies prophylactically years and years ago. And, you know, mm -hmm. Christina Applegate who was diagnosed, like they made their stories very public. And I think it's just gotten a lot of attention over the years. You know, I was watching uh, um, Elaine from Seinfeld, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She was yeah. diagnosed uh, a few years ago and I was watching her interview on the David Letterman show that he has, like, I think it's on Netflix. Anyway, it's a great, great show. And it was a, it was a great interview. And they talked about her diagnosis. And she said, she had the most beautiful story metaphor for how it felt, how that experience was for her. She said that she, she was swimming once with her husband and they were in the deep sea and they were, you know, not scuba diving, but skin diving and seeing some animal life and her husband said called out to her and said don't panic there's a shark in the water you need to come back to the boat right now and she said she went into this tunnel vision where all she could see was the ladder to the boat and she just kept swimming until she got there and she said that's what the experience was like for me and I thought what a beautiful way to put it you know and how how relatable that was for me because I you know, felt the same way. I was like, I, you know what, yeah. I'm going through hell, but I'm going to keep going and I'm going to get there. And, and I did, and mm -hmm. other women have, and other women will. And, um, what you do, Kathy is so important because while those women are swimming, you're giving them the support they need to get to the ladder. And I thought to start crying. Thank you. It's a beautiful thing that you get to do with your life. And I, I feel like we, we get to do something really great too. We, we, we get to help people, um, but you get to do it in such a, such a meaningful way and, and not just anybody, but people who really truly need it. And right. so, so that's amazing. I'm very aware of that. And I definitely don't take it for granted. I, mm -hmm. I'm so thankful that I am in this position that I can help other women um, and that I can do things like this in the month of October or any month and that I can see our community when you mentioned the, you know, we're talking about the awareness in the community and to see us all stand united so strong for a cause. You know, we have the Tallahassee Police Department who covered a car. We have all the Go Pink signs in the yards. We have lots of events. We have, you know, making strides against breast cancer. And I, I just, I feel so empowered in the month of October 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's really nice to see our community come together for a cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to your question, Denisha, like what, you know, what, why is breast cancer get all of this um, attention in October and the, the NFL players are wearing pink cleats and, you know, everywhere you look on TV mm-hmm. and the media and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think it's because we all know somebody, right? Like, because this is such a, a pervasive disease that women have, um, we all know and love a woman and um, know somebody this has happened to. And it also is because there are some great slogans. <laughs> <laughs> right, there are. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's go through them. Okay, so tits the season is a great one. Big or small, let's save them all. I mean, That's right. these are fun. You could have a little fun with it. Yeah, the t-shirt that says these tried to kill me. Yeah, <laughs> my boobs tried to kill me or something, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, every year they're coming out with new stuff. It makes me laugh. And, yeah. you know, know, you have to laugh. That I, you know, with my own experience and my family, we're, we're pretty sarcastic, fun, like to laugh people. And right. I made a joke and, and I was like, is it too soon to laugh? I mean, it's, it's, it's my disease. So, we, so if I'm That's joking, right. we can all joke, right? And it, it helps us get through uh, just a little yeah. bit easier. And, and you think about it, the statistics that they are one in eight women, one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. And so that's a lot. That's mm-hmm. a lot. It affects yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, it does. And well, now you get shy too, that a lot of us, we don't go to the doctor unless something is wrong. Cause I got to be, can't get out the bed. I need some help to go. And so some stuff yeah. you can't wait till it get that bad to go because right. once it gets that aggressive stage, it may be to the point where you can't do anything, you know, to kind of get better. So we got to mm-hmm. be better yeah. with doing it. So yeah, we do, we do, and I have to remind myself of that because we get right. busy and we, you know, mm-hmm. we get our kids to the doctor, no problem. Right. right. We don't right. get ourselves mm-hmm. there. You know, mm-hmm. because we, we have all of these other things and obligations that we, we have to do. And it's true. Yeah. It's, there's just too much at stake and there's, um, yeah. we matter too. We can't, we can't parent, we can't um, help the people we want to help if we, if we're not healthy ourselves. So right. exactly. that was, yeah, it's a great, a great point to bring up. And Kathy, so, you know, at, at, at Basic Brooks, our, our motto is come back stronger. And that's what we try to help people do, you know, in, in the situations that they're in, if they've been injured yeah. and, and help them to turn that pain and that bad experience into, into something good and come back. Forever. And I cannot think of a better example of that than you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I try, well, thank you, you. Know, <laughs> you try to, you try to turn something into positive with the gifts you've been given, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, you've not only done that, but you've, you've blazed a trail for other women to do it too. So thank you, Betsy. We appreciate that. Um, Denisha, you have any uh, final questions or thoughts for Kathy? She's such a wealth yeah, of information. Yeah, I see um, when Dana made the post that she was coming on, she hashtag cards for a cure. Is that something you do or is that just something for breast cancer, the cards for a cure? Yeah, that's the event, the, the big event that Kathy. Okay, that's um, October. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. the big event that Kathy started uh, 
Unknown gotcha. years ago. Okay. So I, I have a question about that. So we're celebrating sure. the 15th anniversary of Cards for a Cure. So tell me what special stuff we've got planned. Well, we have a really cool video of all of our past honorees, which is pretty awesome to see uh, everybody, all the honorees have had come together to do a really, really cool video. Um, but it's the usual gaming and, um, you know, poker tables and a live auction, silent auction and the band, you know. Oh, just, the band. Who do we have for yeah. the band? Ooh, I can't, I don't, I don't know the name right off the top of my head, but they've been with us before and they're awesome. Okay. Okay. I guess that's good enough. They're that's not, they're enough. not a local band. They're a, I think they're out of Atlanta. Oh, and the auction, um, there, there's some awesome stuff. My brother-in-law, my year, he bought a, he and my sister, a trip out to Napa. <laughs> it was yeah. amazing at the auction and there's stuff yeah. like that. You know, there's stuff that's local. Um, just really cool experiences. Um, yeah, a lot of the year, Marsha's year, then Emmett Smith um, auctioned off of mm -hmm. a, 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 a golfing golf trip, trip with, with him. His, yeah. His, yeah. His sister was the honoree, Marsha. She's great. Yeah. And um, so there's some really We've had cool trips stuff. to Italy auctioned off. We've had lots of, lots of stuff. Yeah. Lots of but cool stuff. But there's little stuff too. I got a, I got a beautiful purse uh, one year that um, I still love. And so it's great. I, I really think anybody who's, who's looking for a good time for a great cause should really check it out. And you yeah, can get, for sure. you can get tables, right? Like with the, um, yes. you can, so say your business wants to buy a table, you get. Yeah. Yeah. You can sponsor a table um, for $1,500, get you a table of eight. You get wine on your table and eight tickets to the event. Mm-hmm. Which is great because it's, it's exposure for your business. And if you have employees who either have had breast cancer or have a um, family member touch their life in some yeah. way, that's a great way to kind of honor them is to get them a ticket to this event and uh, let them go and celebrate. Um, it is. Yeah, cool. So, um, so we are close to the end. So any final thoughts from Denisha? Denisha, did you cry? No, but I, <laughs> but I wanted to. Yeah. I think I've crossed off everything on my list, Kim. I mean, I was going to call you Kimmy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's not tell her. I'm texting her right now. <laughs> yeah, so I think I'm good. I learned a lot today. And then, I, like I said, I'm glad good. that we had you today because it made me do what I needed to do since July. Which was get your mammogram, girl. Yes, yeah. So I'm gonna get that done. Right. But yes, I have enjoyed it. I really did. Oh, good, good. I, we I should mention that ask. national, well, National Go Mammography ahead. Week is coming up as well. And so, mm -hmm. get your mammogram. Um, October 17th through the 25th, National Mammography Week. Go, go get it. Yes, and uh, so I have got a little invitation to the grand opening of a new mammogram machine yes. or something. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, yeah. we um, at the Sharon Ewing, Ewing Walker mammography um, suite, we we upgraded our equipment, um, replaced our old equipment with some great new um, shiny equipment. And so we're having a little grand opening and we're happy to have you. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be there. I wouldn't miss it. Um, 
And so we just to touch a little bit more on that, the is is that something that funds from Cards for Cure and and the other fundraisers help to yes it make possible it did. the funds from Tallahassee Memorial Foundation, you know, our donors that that they the foundation is amazing. Um, we can tell them what our needs are. They they will raise the funds for us, and that mammography um, equipment was was part of it. Um, and so, yeah, that's what the funds go to. And, it, and again, okay. it's an example of how the funds raised just right back to the patients. Mm -hmm. And and real quick, who is Sharon Walker? I just want to make sure that we, we talk about her and yeah. her husband, Claude. Yeah, Sharon was um, a member of our community that many years ago, uh, prior to my diagnosis, she was diagnosed and treated and she lost her battle uh, with mm -hmm. breast cancer. And so her family and her honor um, started the Sharon Ewing Walker Mammography Clinic. And so mm -hmm. to this day, her legacy uh, lives on and we think about Sharon all the time and her family continues to support services in, um, in the suite and in the cancer center. I mean, my goodness, uh, Mae Walker works in our garden all the time. Um, and then her family, like I said, continues to, to you know, keep her legacy alive. Yes, it's beautiful. And Claude is always there. And it is. is there. And yes. it's um, their inspiration to us. So, yes. okay. Well, it, unless you have any final thoughts, Anisha, I think um, that closes our Empower Hour. And thank you so much, Kathy. No. I can't thank you enough yes, for taking the time. Thank you so much for coming. She, she thank does you a so lot much for of interviews. Me especially in October. And uh, so I appreciate you coming on and it's a pleasure educating us. It's my pleasure. And yeah. So uh, maybe we can have you back. back. I would be honored to come back anytime. <laughs> Good. Anytime. This was fun and pretty easy. Yeah. I told yeah. you, I told you it was going to be the easiest interview you ever did. Okay, cool. Well, thank, well, thank you everybody you. for um, joining us. And we are signing out at the Empower Plant. Um, please uh, join us again next week, every Thursday, 4.30. Thank you.